to this week's views from the 573 podcast. Hope you all are doing well this Friday. Meant to do this podcast yesterday, as of course, you know, one of the things that we've been doing is I've been recording usually on Thursdays and putting out the pods then. Didn't feel like it yesterday. Had a headache that felt like it it would have hindered me from put, trying to put out the best podcast I could possibly could. So, took took the day off yesterday. I popped in an ibuprofen and I knocked out for uh, I was knocked out for a little bit. So I'm feeling better today. No headache at all. I'm ready to get rolling, talking to you guys about what's going on in the world of sports. And there's a lot to talk about. Baseball. The playoffs are rolling along. We're to, we're in the LCS stage of the playoffs with the NLCS officially being set last night. Of course, the ALCS starts tonight. We'll talk about that. College football, we'll talk about the, this past week. Alabama going down to Texas A&M. Who would have thought? We're going to talk about that in the NFL. Of course, we got to talk about what's going on with the Raiders, with John Gruden being let go due to some emails from the Washington football team investigation being put out there. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that with the Raiders game. I picked the Raiders game that they had with the Bears in week five last week. So that's when we'll talk about that and get that sorted out. As far as the NBA previews, I'm still sort of waiting to see what we're going to do. I asked Charles and we're, we're going to try to figure out the date to maybe try to figure that out. If nothing works out, we'll just do as we've been doing and do it ourselves and we'll get through it together. As far as NBA stuff, there's been a couple stuff that's happened with that with Ben Simmons. It looks like he's going to be reporting to the 76ers now. It looks like they're working through some stuff and it's going in a positive direction. So stuff trending in the right way with both Ben and with the Sixers. I'm interested to see how that locker room is going to be uh, with the things that have been said about Ben and him not being there and see if that all comes up again. And some more NBA news. Kyrie Irving, it looks like he is not going to be participating in practice or any games until he's eligible to be a full participant and gets a vaccine. So we're not going to talk about it today, but I, when we do the NBA previews, we'll talk about, hopefully me and Charles will talk about how that affects the Nets going forward, if that affects the Nets going forward uh, as they're trying to get a championship. So, with that out of the way, let's talk some MLB. And let's start off with the LCSs getting set. The Dodgers and the Giants going to, to the limit last night in the NLDS. The full five games with the Dodgers being the victor in game number five at San Francisco. Winning 2-1. to one. It was a low scoring game. 2-1. to one. Cody Bellinger gets a late RBI. And that pushes the Dodgers ahead to the NLCS. And they will presumably have home field advantage in that, having the better record between them and the Atlanta Braves. And the Braves, they move on. They move past Milwaukee. Going to be a rematch last year of the Dodgers and Braves playoff series. So we'll see if the Braves can exact some revenge on the Dodgers 
this time around. But in all honesty, with how the Dodgers have been playing with all they got at, at their disposal, I expect the Dodgers to move on to the World Series. I said last week that if whoever wins the Dodgers-Giants series, they're most likely going to be moving on to the World Series and going to be the team representing the NL. That's just the way I think it is. Those are those are the two best teams in all of baseball for a reason. So I think the Dodgers are going to be pretty much well in hand to move on to the World Series in a few days, depending on how long their series with the Braves goes. On the AL side, boy, did I get this wrong. The Red Sox topped the Rays the best team in the AL to move on to the ALCS and the Astros boy talk about the Astros and their bats coming to life being the White Sox and so it's going to be Astros and Red Sox talk about a series that, that will be fun if you like offensive firepower for sure and I, I know I've seen a lot of stuff talk about the Astros and like their stuff with their cheating that I mean it's still not good but that was a few years ago so I understand Maybe it's time to move past that and look at them now. I mean, they're still doing this stuff without the cheating, so it's insane. So it does make you think, why do you need to cheat, though? But nonetheless, they, they're on a good run here. I think I saw five straight ALCSs, which is nuts. So Dodgers, Braves, Red Sox, Astros. We could <laughs> We could have the Astros and Dodgers. Playing in the World Series again, it very well could happen. And uh, we could also have Red Sox and Dodgers. There's there's a couple storylines there, one being Mookie Betts, with him, of course, being traded last season from Boston to L.A. So a lot of fun stuff that could happen in the next few days with the MLB. So looking forward to that and looking forward to watching who makes it out to the World Series, especially out of the AL. I feel like that's more of a toss-up. I feel like, again, I know I feel like the Dodgers are, probably, are the team that's going to be coming out of the NL. So I'm excited to see who's going to come out of the AL and represent that conference. Staying with the MLB, got some local news here and some shocking local news. If you guys are a Cardinals fan, of course, then you've been seeing the news of Mike Schilt being let go from the Cardinals with John Mosaic. The GM of the Cardinals citing philosophical differences. This came as a shock to everybody. And it's probably not an understatement to say everybody. Right down to the man that was canned. From what's been said since the Cardinals were eliminated in their wild card game. Was that it sounded pretty much like, hey, the coaching staff is going to stay on. They're going to try to work in extensions for Schilt. He had one year left on his deal and see if there can be an extension worked out there. If not, no big deal. We're bringing the whole staff back next year and we're going to see how this goes. But things have changed and now Schilt is gone. And he was shocked to find out he was gone. And a lot of the players were shocked he was gone. I was reading an article on The Athletic last night talking about this. And really talking about how how much Shield and the coaches were behind this Cardinals team, even when things weren't going their way long before the long winning streak. That they were like 
we trust you guys. You're going to get through this. You're going to work on this and get back and get right and get back to some good baseball and get back to some winning. And Goldschmidt was the, was the guy that mentioned all that stuff and how key that was and really kind of helping these guys on the team move forward with how they played this season, how that gave them a boost, how, how that gave them a big vote of confidence. And now, a few days after the season is over, and when you figure, okay, this guy's going to be staying on, a majority of the coaching staff is going to be staying on, there's going to be some continuity there. All that gets thrown out the door yesterday with Schilt being announced he was fired. And I'm interested to see where the Cardinals go with this. Do they hire internally? As I think probably some people think might happen. That's been a thing that's happened with the Cardinals for a long time. The last time they hired an outside manager, I think, I think was Tony La Russa. And so, could they hire somebody from the outside? It's very possible. In my opinion, I think they would hire somebody from the inside. But I do think they are looking at making a change at the managerial position to really make a spark and really kind of change the outset of this team. And if you look at this Cardinals team, it's set up to do pretty good going forward. After the season you had this year, you got some stuff to build on. Arenado, his first season, Tyler O'Neill took a big step up. Still need some things to work on. You got Wainwright and Molina looking... Uh, as good as ever, potentially going in their final season. And you got a lot of young prospects, a lot of your top prospects, making their way towards the big leagues here pretty soon. Nolan Gorman, Matthew Libertore. You, you got a lot of those high-level prospects making their way towards the big leagues and knocking on the door. So there's a lot of stuff for the Cardinals that are going right here. And, it, and they could be the favorites to come out of the NL Central next year, you know, depending on what make what moves the Brewers make, and how the Reds progress with with their team, what the Cubs do, we know the Pirates sure ain't coming back anytime soon. That's for Peter right there. But if you look at it right now, they're probably the favorite coming out next year. They're probably the odds odds-on favorite to come out. Of the NL Central next year, with all that they're bringing back, uh, with some of the players are getting back from injury. Flaherty, you're bringing back Hicks coming off of injury, and they got a lot of money to work with in the off season. They they got a lot of money to work with, and maybe try to make some moves in free agency. Maybe add some depth to the bullpen. Find somebody uh, somebody that can be a starter. Maybe add, add some more pop to the lineup. I know shortstop has been a thing of contention based off reading Cardinals fans and how they're talking about that position, whether it they go somebody after somebody like Carlos Correa, Corey Seager from the Dodgers, Trevor Story, of course, Arenado's former running mate at Colorado. So it'll be really interesting to see how this Cardinals offseason unfolds. It was already interesting, but now you got a managerial spot to fill, and presumably a lot of the coaching staff, because... I'm interested to see how much of the coaching staff they bring back after this shock. So, we'll keep an eye on that. So, big news coming out of St. Louis with Mike Schilt 
being unexpectedly fired from his job. And the Cardinals, they're looking for a new manager in this offseason. So we'll keep an eye on that and looking forward to see who they hire and and trying to lead the Cardinals next year. And what, again, what I and probably some others in St. Louis presume as a chance to, a really good chance to win the NL Central next year with all that they're bringing back. So with that said, let's move on to college football. We're going to college football first this week as we did the NFL last week. So let's head on over to college football and talk about the stuff that's happened last week there. And we're going to start off talking about all these ranked matchups that we had. We had a lot of ranked matchups, everybody. We had Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Georgia, Auburn. You had Penn State, Iowa, which was a big one because it was a top five matchup. And then we had a couple other ranked teams that had big-time games, including BYU. We had Michigan, Notre Dame, Kentucky, Alabama. They all had big-time games last week. And so let's break them down. And honestly, last week was really kind of nuts because from one moment you look at the Oklahoma-Texas game like, this is the best game of the week. Then you head over to Ole Miss at Arkansas. It's like, no, 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 no. This game is the best game of the week. Then you, you, you're probably going to something like, I don't know, maybe Alabama and A&M. Like, no, 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 no. This is it. This is the game of the week. It was, it's just like a whole pattern, a, a flip-flop of like, no, no, no. This game was the best. and It, it felt like it was trending that way a lot in the afternoons. Like, this game is awesome. Like, <laughs> that moment was maybe the seventh best. <laughs> So, let's talk about the games this week, and let's start off with the Red River rivalry. I talk about what happened down in the Con Bowl with Texas and Oklahoma. What a lot of people have been saying is the best game in that rivalry's history, and that is saying a whole lot considering how many games those two teams have played against each other. Of course, this game also marked the first time that a team in this series, I think mainly Texas, lost a 21-point lead in this game with Oklahoma coming back and making big noise while doing it, coming back with a freshman quarterback. That's right. Spencer Rattler, a guy that's been much talked about from the beginning of the preseason as a guy that could potentially be a Heisman front runner, a guy that could potentially be a number one pick, a guy who has a lot of NIL deals. He gets benched in this game and you get the freshman Caleb Williams, a five-star prospect coming in here and actually helping Oklahoma lead the charge back against Texas in this game. And I want to go and pull up his stats here because he, he played a lot. He played a lot down the stretch. If you look at it, he, he had a, he got a lot of snaps in. He was 16 to 25, 212 through the air and two touchdowns as well. He had a couple amazing bombs too. He had one to Marvin Mims that was just absolutely nuts with uh how he was able to keep his feet in bounds just by like a millimeter just, just by like an inch. So he comes in and and effectively starts a quarterback controversy of what's Oklahoma going to do now? 
You've seen what Caleb Williams can do in a big-time game against Texas, against your rival, your hated rival, who you're going to the SEC with. Or do you go with a guy that has been your starter for most of the season? And also, what does this do for the NIL for, for, uh, for those purposes? It's kind of funny with Rattler getting all these NIL deals that now he's on the bench. So what do you do in that case if you're some of these companies and you're watching this guy who you signed to some of these deals in the preseason and he's on the bench and not starting? So it's kind of nuts to me. And what does this do for Caleb Williams? Does this performance make him the guy that Lincoln Riley goes to? He's like, you know what? You're going to be my QB1 the rest of the way. And we're going to roll with you. So it'll be interesting to see. But Oklahoma coming back. 21 points, scoring 25 in the fourth quarter. Essentially winning on a walk-off touchdown from Kennedy Brooks. So, what can I say, guys? This was this was a fun SEC game <laughs> with Oklahoma and Texas. I'm already getting some shots in there. But this was a fun game. And it very well may be the best game in the Red River rivalry's history. It very well may be. It certainly was probably the most fun. And no defense to be had there. I mean, it is the Big 12. But Oklahoma, they, they win. They stay on top. They stay undefeated. And Texas, they only moved down a few spots in the rankings. But a lot of good performances in this game. Especially from a couple of the freshmen. Mitch and Caleb Williams. Xavier Worthy, the freshman wide receiver from Texas. He had himself a game. 261 yards receiving. Talk about having a game in your first Red River rivalry. Talk about having that type of performance as a freshman. So, there's that big moment and that big game. Let's move on over and talk about the other big game that happened in this afternoon slate. And that is Arkansas and Ole Miss. And speaking of no defense, boy was there none in this game. But it was about as fun as you'd want it. Both these teams, of course, coming off. A couple loss, uh, off of losses last week. Ole Miss to Alabama. Arkansas to Georgia. Both getting their teeth kicked in. They had to find a nice way to bounce back. Ole Miss, this game takes place at home. I believe it was their homecoming too. I believe I heard that mentioned on the broadcast. So a big time game for their homecoming. And if you, want, if you liked offensive firepower, this was your game. Especially right down towards... The end. Arkansas, they made a last-ditch effort to score, and they scored there, and I figured, you know what, they're going to kick the extra point. They're going to go to overtime. No, they're going to go for two. They felt confident enough to go to two and try to win it there. And you can have a, your arguments about this. You know, if you're maybe if you're Sam Pittman, if you're at home, maybe you kick the field goal and you, and you go to overtime at your home stadium. Because then you know you have the advantage with you being at home. But if you're on the road, maybe it's not such a bad idea to say, screw it, let's go win it right here and there, and let's not play for overtime. And let's try to win it here. So, you know, I don't blame them. I don't blame them for going to two. For two. Would I have played it safe? Yes, but that's probably the reason why I'm not a college coach. And Arkansas, they go for two. They don't get it. Ole Miss wins by one, 52-51. This is action-packed right towards the end with Arkansas. Of course, they scored. 
They can give Ole Miss about 80 seconds to go and do something, and they don't even need that. They took about maybe 10 seconds to go and score. And just what a fun afternoon slate this was. Having Oklahoma, Texas, and Arkansas Ole Miss in the early games with the early slate was just like, this is not fair. What did we do to deserve these two awesome and fun games? And this period of the college football slate, what do we do to deserve this? So, really a fun couple of games going on there. And as far as predictions, I got the Ole Miss pick right, the Texas pick wrong. So, eh, one for one there. It's better than I did for for the rest of the slate of games. So, let's talk about them. Uh, and let's talk about some of the games that we picked as well with this. Uh, speaking of upset, BYU, they go down to Boise State. Shockingly, I, I was kind of surprised when I saw that BYU ended up losing this game 26-17. to With how BYU has played, I expect a whole lot more for, from them. But props to Boise State. I guess it goes to show you, never count out Boise State. Even if they're, they're not as good as you expect them to be, never count them out at all. Because they'll end up doing something like this and upsetting a top 10 team. Michigan and Nebraska. You know what? Props to Nebraska for keeping things really interesting in the college football landscape the last few weeks. They kept things close with Oklahoma a few weeks back. And they've been making a lot of strides. And you wondered if this was the breakthrough moment for Scott Frost and this Nebraska team. And I think I made the comment about my thing with Scott Frost going back to like I don't know when he his first season what was it like twenty eighteen or something like that when he first was hired and me being on the Scott Frost train I was like oh man please don't let this come back to bite me this this week it was close but Michigan wins thirty two twenty nine. This Michigan team is really solid. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They got solid quarterback play out of McNamara. And they just absolutely run the ball down your throat. I think this is what Harbaugh needed to do for so long. And he's going back to it. And so far, it is working. Because no team can stop this Michigan running attack, rushing attack. And they're just bullying teams. So, Michigan gets the win 32-29 over Nebraska. And, let's see, yes, got that one right with Michigan. SMU and Navy. You know, I went with Navy last week, and then I saw Navy was playing Memphis last night, and I saw Navy's record. It's not that good, so maybe it was a bad pick. But Navy did end up losing only by seven, so that's better than what happened in last night's Memphis game for sure. But SMU stays on top, 31-24. Tanner Mordecai, the Oklahoma transfer, has the most touchdowns and passing in the FBS. I was kind of shocked when I saw that stat and saw that. Like, really? This guy? The guy from SMU? Okay. Well, I mean, there are weirder things that have happened in college football. But SMU gets a win there over Navy. Let's talk about Georgia-Auburn. Auburn was the first team to get a rushing touchdown on 
on Georgia in a couple months now. It, or it seems like it feels like a couple months with how dominant Georgia's defense has been. And Georgia, of course, wins 34 to 10 there. So no worries there for the Bulldogs. And they got a big matchup this upcoming week against Kentucky. And for, it's pretty much for the SEC West, unless Florida makes some noise here late and late in the stretch. And maybe if they get that game against Georgia and they knock them off. But this game in week seven certainly feels like the matchup for the SEC East right here and there. But Georgia, no problems here. Being the Auburn Tigers, 34-10. to 10. My balls come out on top again against the South Carolina Gamecocks. Got a little bit closer than I would have wanted to in that second half. Like a whole lot closer than I would have liked. But nonetheless, they get the win here, 45-20. to 20. And that offense still looks pretty explosive. This team, I'm really liking the strides I'm seeing this team make on both sides of the ball. Defense, uh, the defense has kind of been the surprise for me with how well they've been doing. They're one of the leaders in the country as far as tackles for loss. And, like, the defense has made a lot of strides. So props to that defensive staff for putting in work on that side of the ball because I feel like if you're a Tennessee fan, you kind of expect that the offense was officially going to get along and put up a lot of points and be explosive. But props to the defense for putting in the work in the offseason and during practice during the week and really taking some strides into being a, a decent defense. I forget what their total defensive rank is, but I think it, it wasn't that bad. It was a step up from last season. So, Tennessee gets a win there. And, of course, they got a big matchup this Saturday. Tennessee Ole Miss Saturday night. Oh, boy. Uh, so, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Next game we talk, we got to talk about, I swore I pick Iowa for this. This shows how bad my memory is. I picked Penn State for this game. Penn State, Iowa. Boy, Peter was texting me about this game all during while well, I was going to see No Time to Die. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> and Sean Clifford, he gets knocked out. Penn State has their backup quarterback in the game. And Peter, I know, made a couple of comments about how bad his overthrows were. But Iowa, they get the win there, 23-20. Kind of like how I thought it would be, low scoring, close game, and Iowa stays undefeated. And I think they rushed the field too. So and I remember it's like somebody mentioned on Twitter, like, why are they rushing the field? And it's like, guys, it's Iowa. Where else are they going to do? It's like, you know what, that's a fair point. So, Iowa wins 23-20 over Penn State. Next up, Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. I mentioned this last week. It felt like a really good spot to pick Virginia Tech. 
And boy, was it close. Boy, was I close on this pick. And Notre Dame ends up pulling away nearly 32-29. to 29. I don't know what else I can say about this other than like, I hate how close I was on some of these. Like, I was close on Texas, Oklahoma. I was close on SMU, Navy, Penn State, Iowa, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame. I wasn't particularly close on, on Kentucky LSU. Uh, that's our next game, but there's a lot of games that could have gone my way if, you know, there's just a field goal or a touchdowns difference in some of these games. But again, in this game, in this LSU-Kentucky game, that was not the case, my friends, because, boy, you thought Kentucky, I, I kind of thought Kentucky was going to be hung over after last week's or after the week before pulling off the huge win against Florida. No, sir. That did not happen at all this week. Kentucky rolling 42-21. to 21. Kentucky's getting solid line play on both offense and defense. That rushing attack for Kentucky is looking really good right now, and they are rolling right now. They, they are feeling really good about this team and where they are. Mark Stoop is, is building his team up really well. This team might end up rivaling, you know, maybe that Kentucky team a few years back when you had Benny Snell, Josh Allen, and all those guys out there. But they got a big matchup. They got a big test of trying to prove themselves this, uh, this week. And then finally, Alabama and Texas A&M. And speaking of AM, Johnny Football was back in town. It was kind of crazy to see him back in town, but yeah, he's back. And of course, the game he would be back in town, AM would find a way to pull off the victory and win in College Station 41 38. I was kind of shocked with how AM came, off, came out firing against Alabama and, in this game. And. Alabama was making a whole lot of mistakes you normally don't see Alabama make. And just like in this first quarter, AM jumps out to a 17-7 lead. And you're like, what Aggie team is this? This isn't the Aggie team we saw lose to Arkansas pretty handedly and then lose to Mississippi State the week before. It just goes to show you how funny college football can be sometimes. And, you know, so looking at stats, prop to Zach Calzada, 21-31, 285, three touchdowns and one pick. He got hurt in this game, and he kind of had to wonder, was A&M going to go with a different quarterback? Because if you remember, Haynes King, the guy who was supposed to be the starter, is done. So it's Calzada. Calzada gets hurt, and they were talking about, well, like, hey, we might have to put in a freshman walk-on. And I think A&M fans were like, oh, we're so glad that it did not come down to that. Where Calzada, like, you know what, I'm good to go. So he comes back in. Second half, Alabama makes a push to try to get this game back on their side. And it looked like it a couple times. A&M did not have as much ease moving the ball in the second half against Alabama. 
but props to, props to Seth Small, Anum's kicker, for coming in clutch. And you know how college kickers are sometimes. And I think you know how NFL kickers are, especially if they're in a week like this last week. But props to Seth Small for coming in and knocking down the game-winning field goal for AM to knock off the Aggies and number one team in the land. So Alabama's got a lot of things to work on. Offensively, I think they were okay. Defensively, there's some question marks that uh, that there's some all right, there's some questions that need to be answered if you're an Alabama fan going forward. How how's this defense going to perform against other teams in the SEC? How are they going to perform against a team like Georgia, who inevitably I think are going to meet in the SEC title game? How are those things going to go? So Alabama's got a lot of things to work on, but a huge week in College Station for A&M and beating the Ag and beating the Crimson Tide. So that caps off a fun week of college football. And let's move on to week number seven. That's right, we're at week number seven now. We're getting closer to the. First college football rank football playoff rankings of the season. We are not that far off. I think we're about a week or a week or two away, based off of past history. So we are not that far from finding out who's going who's going to be in the first uh, projections for the playoff. But right now, I mean, if you take a look at it, Georgia one, you got Iowa two, you have Cincinnati three, and Oklahoma four. I know a lot of people made a big deal about like maybe Iowa being in there. I think Cincinnati should definitely be in there based off of what they've done this season. They've done what we asked them to do. Crap. They went into Notre Dame and won against a, a, a Notre Dame team that was ranked in the top 10 at the time and just absolutely whooped Wisconsin the week before. So I think Cincinnati belongs there. Oklahoma. I don't know. I don't know if Oklahoma belongs in there. Uh, again, they they potentially have a quarterback controversy on their hands. So, I don't know. I think Georgia definitely should be in there. Cincinnati should be in there. Alabama, I think, will find their ways back in into that top four. As far as everybody else, maybe another big team, Big Ten team besides Iowa, maybe. Maybe somebody like Ohio State, maybe Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. There's a lot of Big Ten teams that are ranked in the top ten. And it really goes to show you how strong the Big Ten is this year. Because just looking at it, you got Iowa, you got Ohio State, you got Michigan, you got Penn State, you got Michigan State. That's five teams right there in, in the top ten from the Big Ten. So, the Big Ten having a really strong year in college football. So, let's start off week seven with UCF at Cincinnati. Speaking of Cincinnati. Of course, this is an early game at Cincinnati. Gus Malzahn with his UCF team. I'm going to go with Cincinnati here. I think they're going to keep on rolling. And staying undefeated, this would be a nice out-of-conference win or in-conference win against an AAC foe. 
So Cincinnati, I think, stays undefeated and continues an upward trajectory towards the college football playoff. Michigan State and Indiana. Indiana is a team we thought was going to be a contender in the Big Ten. That's not been the case. It's We didn't think Michigan State would be, but here we are. They're ranked in the top ten. Do I think Indiana and Michigan State might be on upset alert? Maybe. But I still think Michigan State is going to win this game. But if Indiana finds a way to win, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be shocking if they find a way to upset them. Christ, again, college football is, is a crazy thing to watch. Weird things happen from week to week. But with how Michigan State's playing right now, with Kenneth Walker III at running back, a guy who's made his case for the Heisman right now with how well he's playing, Michigan State, I think, wins at Indiana. Oklahoma State at Texas. Of course, Oklahoma State, they are still undefeated. And Texas, of course, coming off their loss against Oklahoma last week. Can they find a way to top this Oklahoma team? And let, let's see what the spread is. Let's see how much Texas is favored. Texas is actually favored by a lot from ESPN's matchup predictor. Like, holy crap. And Texas is a four-point favorite. So... That kind of shows you right now, Texas is getting some home field advantage points right there, plus uh, a couple more, or, or one or two more points. So, Vegas must be liking how A&M, must be liking how Texas is looking right now, especially if that offense continues to do what it did, especially if it's somebody like against Texas, against Oklahoma, so... That's kind of shocking with how big Texas is the favorite here. You know what? I, I've picked Texas so many times these last few years, and it has come to burn me. Same case with USC. So you know what? I'm going to pick Oklahoma State. Of course, this would be the week for Texas to burn me once again. But you know what? Screw it. Auburn at Arkansas. Let me tell you what Arkansas. If that off, they I would not expect Arkansas to put up those type of numbers in a shootout with Ole Miss. With how Ole Miss's offense has been playing this year, kind of shocking. But I think Arkansas. I think they're just going to be too much for Auburn. The Bone Nicks experience, while it is fun and exciting and kind of maddening at times. I think Arkansas is just is just going to win this game. They're ranked 17th in the country for a reason. They've been good pretty much all season long besides Georgia beating them really handily. But then again, who hasn't Georgia beat pretty handily this year? So give me the Hogs to get back on, on the winning side of things and uh, beat the Auburn Tigers here. Florida at LSU. I, I know Matt's not going to want to hear this. So, Matt, if you're listening to this, you know, you know, close your ears. Coach O might literally get fired here pretty soon. With how things are going in Baton Rouge, you start to wonder if it's a ticking time bomb with how, with how close his time is to getting done 
at LSU. If LSU gets a win here, maybe that it staves that off just for uh, for a minute. But if not, that chatter about letting him go and searching for somebody new is only going to increase and get louder and louder and louder. I don't think LSU is going to win this week, but if they do, it holds off the Coach O getting fire talk, at least for now. That could change all in a matter of weeks. Again, it's college football. So, I got Florida this week, and I, I only think that Coach O talk about him getting fired and being let go is only going to increase as the weeks go on. I mean, this LSU team, it's kind of crazy how this LSU team and this year and last year coming off of that national title run they went on a couple years ago, how crazy it's been to see how this team has transformed from that team into this team. I mean, of course, you do lose a lot of players. You, you lost a lot of players to the NFL. That's inevitably going to happen. But in recruiting, it's all about reloading, especially if you're a team and trying to be a team like an Alabama, Clemson, and stuff like that. So, give me Florida to win in this contest. Kentucky at Georgia. I mentioned this is going to be for the SEC East race. And I I think definitely for sure it is. Because Florida, I don't think it's going to come out. This is going to be for the SEC East crown. Whoever wins this game, I think is going to win the East. And it's going to be booking their ticket potentially for Atlanta. Unless it's Kentucky. Because Kentucky... Let me pull up their schedule. Because they got... There's some potential things that can happen for Kentucky. Alright, we gotta remember. This is still Kentucky. This isn't their basketball program. This is their football program. We don't expect this out of their football program. You know, Georgia. They got them this week. Could Mississippi State play spoiler to Kentucky like they did with A&M? It's quite possible. I, I, I know, If you're looking at the Kentucky schedule, you're going to be like, right, you don't think. Yes, I do think. Because here's the thing. Even though, yeah, Kentucky went to Knoxville last year, beat Tennessee. But I think with Tennessee, they had a whole lot of stuff going on. <laughs> Internally, externally, the whole nine yards within that program. And I mentioned the Kentucky's best team with Benny Snell and Josh Allen a few minutes ago. Yeah, you know what happened to that team and it, when they went down to Knoxville? Yeah, they got beat pretty bad by a Tennessee team that wasn't even good. That finished 5-7 and seven that year. Was Pruitt's first season. And it kind of showed me, like, hey, even Kentucky's best teams will get beat by ten- some of Tennessee's mediocre to straight-up bad teams. And despite how well Kentucky's been playing, with, despite how well the, the line's been playing, how much experience this team has with how good Will Levis has been at quarterback, I don't know if I would still buy them beating Tennessee, even if it's at home. 
I don't know. I want to see them play this offense first because if the Tennessee offense from the last couple weeks shows up in Lexington, yeah, I'm sorry, Kentucky's not coming back from that. They are not coming back from a 28-point deficit in the first quarter. They, they just can't. They're not built for that. Kentucky is built for a, a close, low-scoring game where they can just run the ball. That That's their M.O. If they get into something like that, it's going to be... It's going to be hard for them to come back. I would say it's it's probably freaking near impossible for that to happen. And also, if you're Kentucky, you're coming off a game that week when Tennessee will have had a bye week to rest up, get healthy, study your game tape more. So, how how this how this game Georgia? I think if they win, they're they're good. They're going to Atlanta. They're playing it in the in the title game for the SEC. Kentucky. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm just saying there's a couple games on here where they could definitely lose. I mean, it is Kentucky. All right. <laughs> Again, this isn't their basketball program we're talking about. It's their football team. So I'm going Georgia here, but I'm curious to see. With all with all the stuff I positively said about Kentucky, with if that affects the game in any way, uh, BYU and Baylor. BYU, of course, going down to number nineteen this week at Baylor, who was ranked earlier in the season. I think this could be a pretty fun game in the afternoon slate on ESPN. With how well Baylor's been playing, they're five and one. They got a really exciting team here. You're bringing in a top 25 ranked team. Uh, right now, Baylor's looking like a heavy favorite right now. Like I'm seeing a six, and they're six point favorites in some cases. So, I mean, shoot, I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to go with the trend and say Baylor's going to win it this week and uh, knock off BYU, which probably BYU falls out of the rankings to be honest next up Ole Miss at Tennessee night game at, at Nayland orange on orange for Tennessee checker Nayland I think people are here's I've seen some Ole Miss fans talk about this and talking about you know why are they doing all this stuff just for us coming in here I think one reason why I think you're seeing all this stuff happen for Tennessee, why they're doing all this stuff and getting so hyped up for this game, with how well the offense has been playing, with how much many strides this team has been playing, and how different, how much of a positive culture that you're starting to see in these first few games show for this team, I think this game represents a possible turning point. I think that's why people are getting so excited for this game in, in Knoxville. And that beating a team with a high-flying offense as Ole Miss, with a guy with Matt Corral who's been playing out of his mind this year, you do this, you take out a, a team ranked as high as them, and you do it with putting a bunch of points, people are going to take notice, and it could be a possible turning point for the program after being down in the dumps for so freaking long. It could be a possible turning point. This game is is a 50-50 crapshoot. 
So if you took Ole Miss, I wouldn't be mad at you. And, and I mean, if you took my team, I definitely wouldn't be mad at you. I just think it's a 50-50 crapshoot. And I don't think you, you can go wrong with either way and with either one. Both This is going to be a high explosive offense. I want to see what the over-under is for this game right now because when it first came out, it was like 85 and a half. And I was like, oh boy, this, they really are expecting a whole lot of points out of this game. So let's see what the, the over-under is for this game right now. And right now it's at 82. I still think that's a little bit that's a little low. So I think if you look at the numbers, the points per game, it's pretty close. But if you look at points allowed per game, that's another thing to look at. And look how well the defenses have played. Ole Miss's defense have not played well this year. Tennessee's defenses actually have. And have been a really good team, especially with rushing defense. And with rushing offense, Ole Miss is not strong in that regard. Tennessee's rushing offense is really good. And you add into the fact that Hendon Hooker is a threat with his legs. And with the ESPN match predictor, I see Tennessee is the favorite. But Ole Miss right now is a two and a half point favorite right now. So again, it's pretty much a crapshoot. You won't go wrong either way, I think, if, if you pick either one of these teams. Do I make the homer pick and, and say, you know what, ah, screw it. I, I will make the homer pick. I, I will go with the homer pick. But I will make it based off of, I think Tennessee's defense is better than Ole Miss. And I think, potentially, this defense can get a few stops against Ole Miss compared to what Ole Miss's defense could against Tennessee. I think the only thing that only thing that could maybe stop Tennessee's offense would be Tennessee. That that's the way things have gone in Knoxville for the last several years is Tennessee getting in Tennessee's way. That's honestly the only way I can see Tennessee's offense not putting up as many points as them getting in their own way and not executing some of the stuff we saw earlier in the season. So there's that game. NC State at Boston College. You know, Boston College kept it close against Clemson. They beat Mizzou a couple weeks back. They got an NC State team coming in that's ranked 22nd in the country. I think this could be a fun ACC matchup. I'm going to go with the ranked team here in NC State. But I think this game could be a fun and close game late. Arizona State at Utah. You guys heard it. I'm, I'm not going against Herm anymore. I'm not doing it. So, this one was a given. I'm going Arizona State here. I'm not doing it again. Cramp, if Arizona State and Tennessee play in a game, I might not I might not pick against Herm. I might not I, I might not do it. I might not pick my own team. I was like, no, I can't go against Herm. So there's college football this week, everybody. Let's move on to the pros and talk about what happened in week number five. And talk about the Gruden stuff with the Raiders when we get to that game. Of course, the Thursday night game, we had the Rams and the Seahawks. Of course, the Rams win this one. They stay on top of the uh, uh, they uh, they stay on top of the NFC with the teams there, but now on top of the NFC West because the Cardinals are still undefeated. 
But the big news coming out of this game, Russell Wilson, his middle finger looks like there's a tendon or ligament, something in there that's not right. So Russ is going to be out for a while, and you're going to get to see Geno Smith. That's right. Geno Smith is still in this league, and uh, he's still going strong. When I when they were talking about how long it's been since he's been drafted, I was like, oh, crap. I feel old. I, I feel old with realizing how long he's been in this league. Uh, so seeing him come in was kind of crazy. And also seeing him lead a long drive like that, I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> the Geno Smith experience. Here we go. But the Rams get the victory here. And now Seahawks are going to get the Geno ex- Smith experience for n- the next several weeks, at least. So I don't know what that's going to do for your fantasy teams if you have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Imagine it's going to take a hit with those two players. We'll have to see what happens with Chris Carson, though, see if that helps his stock a little bit. Maybe so, but we'll have to see. But that's, I mean, obviously, losing Russell Wilson, huge loss for the Seahawks uh, going forward. And right now, I mean... If you look at it, it might be Cardinals, Rams, 49ers, and Seahawks by the time we're talking about the NFL in a few weeks. Very may well be the case there. So, Rams get the win there on Thursday Night Football last week. Moving to the Sunday games. Packers at Bengals. I thought this would be a fun game. I just didn't think the uh, the missed kicks would be uh, would add into the fun part of it, with how many field goals, extra points were missed. Mason Crosby just had an off day, and fortunately for the Packers fans, he comes up clutch there, like the the seal the victory there for the Packers. But my goodness, talk about a bad day for kickers in this one. Talk about a bad week again for kickers. It, it just seemed to trend in the other games throughout the league it was kind of wild to see this happen you make fun of college kickers maybe we should make fun of the pro kickers as well besides justin tucker don't want to make matt too angry there (laughs) so excluding justin tucker let's make fun of the nfl kickers as, as much as we do the college so moving on to broncos at steelers The Steelers, they lose Juju Smith-Schuster for the season. and But the Steelers get the victory here, 27-19. Kind of uh, shocking to see some of these undefeated teams from a couple weeks back. Got a couple losses now for, for them. Like Denver, Carolina, Las Vegas. Not trending in the right direction as far as wins, uh, wins and losses in, in, in that regard. Steelers get the win here, 27-19, even though, again, losing Juju Smith-Schuster for the season. Dolphins at Buccaneers. I don't know what else to say about this game other than Tampa rolled. Tom Brady, 411 yards passing, five touchdowns. Fantasy stats must have been amazing. Thank goodness I'm not playing against him this week with those stats. In fantasy, I am playing against him, but... So far, it's nothing like he did last week with uh, with the type of game that uh, he played. I want to take a look at what his fantasy stats. I'm going to get 
into fantasy right here for a second. So in fantasy, last time in my league, in a PPR league, he had 22.98, so nearly 23 points. Last week for Brady, uh, of course, he ranks number one throughout the season. Last week, he nearly had 51 fantasy points by himself. So there you go with how well Tom has been playing this season. Maybe it's not the best Brady we've seen, but he's certainly playing like he's having a lot of fun with uh, with this team. So, moving on to the next game with the Saints against the Washington football team. James Winston having a solid day at the office against a strong Washington front. Uh, 279 yards passing against this team, uh, against the team with him having four touchdowns as well. So, not a bad day. The office for him. So, Washington, they got some stuff to work on to try and get back in the win column. Both uh, with Saints sitting at 3-2 and two and Washington sitting at 2-3. and three. It also sounds like the Saints might be getting some players back after their bye week this week, including Michael Thomas, which that could help out the offensive side of the ball. So, the Saints win that game 33-22 off of Jameis Winston's four touchdown passes. Moving on to Browns at Chargers. Talk about a fun game in the AFC. There's a, I think we expected the Bills and Chiefs game to be the fun one out of the two. I just didn't think we... I, I think we probably expected maybe two of the fun games. But not with Cleveland and the Chargers being the fun game out of those two games. With the Chargers winning 47-42. to 42. It was mentioned, of course, Baker was kind of hurt with his shoulder. That's something to keep an eye on, his left shoulder. But nonetheless, talk about a fun game in L.A. with these two teams. I mean, back and forth with Cleveland scoring 15 in that fourth quarter and Kansas City scoring 26. Baker, a really solid day, throwing for three hundred over 300 yards and two touchdowns, 23-32. Herbert continuing his hot season, 26-43, 398 yards and four touchdowns. And also Mike Williams. Mike Williams is having a pretty good year for the Chargers. This game, eight receptions, 165 yards, and two touchdowns. But the Chargers, they end up winning this one, and they are on top of the AFC West right now, sitting at 4-1. and one. You have the Broncos and Raiders taking a couple of losses here. The Chiefs are not trending in the right direction. So Chargers are looking really good right now. And Bears at Raiders. Of course, it was mentioned... Justin Fields was going to be the guy going forward for the Bears, and he gets a victory here on the road against the Raiders team that that had suffered their first defeat last week, and now they've taken two in a row. Well, with how this week has gone for them, maybe three and three in a row, with how things have gone. So, let's talk about the stuff with the Raiders this week with John Gruden. Being let go, I 
I don't know if it's resigned, fired. I, I, I don't know exactly w what happened there, but in, in, all, in all honesty, it doesn't matter. He's not the coach of the Raiders anymore due to some emails from years past with his conversations with Paul Allen, the former guy with the Washington football team. And with those emails, and these were some of his emails at the, when he was at ESPN at the time. Some of these emails do date back to at the latest 2018, I believe. And which he just which he used anti-gay language, remarks that had racist tones. Also, so there's misogyny in some of those remarks, and I think. The Washington cheerleaders with that whole scandal was brought back up, uh, back up to light, and this is all due to the ongoing investigation with the Washington football team, with all the stuff that's going on there, including all all the stuff with the cheerleaders and all this stuff, and so Gruden is now gone, and this is a huge, and this was huge news when it broke. You can't. The, there's some stuff that had come out about some of the stuff, uh, some of those emails prior to the game against the Bears, and then you just have all this stuff just hit the internet and like, like you all know the phrase, you know, it, it hit the fan, and you get the news during Monday Night Football. Ironically, Gruden is not the coach of the Raiders anymore. Rich Bisaccia. The special teams coordinator is the interim head coach. So he's going to be taking over duties for the foreseeable future. And so th this is huge. And with how the, this investigation is going on now, you have to wonder what else could be potentially included in some of this stuff. And... You had more e emails that have been review uh, revealed over the course of the last couple of days in this investigation. You do have to wonder, and there's some talk, uh, bad talk about Goodell and some of those emails as well. Which, listen, I don't know if anybody's going to necessarily disagree with anything Gruden said about Goodell because I think there's probably a lot of people that would be on, on Gruden's side there was, although I, I probably wouldn't make some of those remarks, but I could say like, yeah, Gruden, Goodell sucks, but you, you do have to wonder if there's somebody that does have an out for him, but oh no, this is not a good look for Gruden. It's a horrible look for a guy that's been widely respected in league circles for years now. And, it's just kind of crazy. You see, and now you got the Raiders dealing with all this stuff. At, you know, you had a strong start to the season. You, you had these two losses, and then you had this come out. And it's really kind of going south for the Raiders. You saw Carl Nassif, who was, of course, the first gay player that is actively open in the NFL. Take a personal day due to all this stuff going on. And now you're seeing Raiders players having to talk about it. And giving some, uh, giving their thoughts on some of it. I think Wall, uh, Darren Waller, 
and Derek Carr, the the two main guys probably on that on that Raiders offense, and probably two of the leaders on this team. You know, I think they really gave some interesting and pretty good remarks for the most part. Let me go try and find them, but you know. Gruden was the guy that gave Waller a second chance, so I think Waller is going to be somebody that is going to let Gruden let him be willing to learn and try to work his way back. And it, it, as far as a guy that he he has huge amount of respect for, and again, he gave him a second chance. I, you can't forget about the people who gave you a second chance and. Maybe sometimes those people need a second chance just in life, and maybe Waller will give Gruden one after all this. And Derek Carr, he had, he had a couple comments, and like he's like, love the man, hate the sin, all the stuff. And he's like, what what's right is right, and what's wrong is wrong, and you know what Gruden did and said was wrong. So I think you had some very poignant comments from a couple of the leaders there, from the Oakland, from the Las Vegas Raiders uh, about this situation. So it's a big, big thing happening in the NFL with Gruden being uh, with him being fired, let go, whatever you want to say, uh, call it, with uh, with all this stuff happening now with the Washington Football Team. Again, you, you start to wonder if some more stuff is going to start to come out about potentially owners or any other anybody else in NFL circles uh, in regards to this Washington football team investigation. So it'll be interesting to see what transpires out of it. But, of course, this was the big thing that transpired out of this was Gruden being outed. And now he's not the coach of the Raiders anymore and I'm interested to see how the Raiders respond this week and see. I think they played the Broncos this week. So I'll be interested to see how they respond to what's been going on the last week for them and how how they handle it. And maybe they feel galvanized and maybe they'll come out and try to get victory to get on the right side of things and get some good things going on in that locker room again after having again you had two straight losses and then you had this week and then you had everything going on from this week so big week there in las vegas so moving on from that news and talking about some more of the games going on uh, that happened 49ers at cardinals cardinals they stay undefeated move on to five and oh as the only undefeated team left in the NFL, winning 17 to 10, a little bit closer game than you would think. Trey Lance was the starter for the 49ers, making his first start. So we'll have to see how well he does in his next few starts and see if Jimmy G is going to be good to go or if Lance is going to be the guy taking, taking the snaps from him. And then Sunday night game, Chiefs, Bills, Chiefs are, there's some serious concerns about the Chiefs, but maybe also just in fact in this game, the Bills were just that good. The Bills are just that good. 
you, you can have a lot of cases for Kyler Murray, for Josh Allen, for those two guys being MVP front runners this year. And if I remember right, I did pick Josh Allen to uh, to win MVP. And right now, he, he's making a really strong case for it. And uh, especially in, in what he did in this game against the Chiefs. 38-20 Buffalo. Buffalo is moving all, along really well from that week one loss against against the Steelers. They have not looked back at all. Then the Monday night game. Baltimore and Indianapolis. I thought Indy was well in control of this game. I didn't think Baltimore was going to get to come back at all. But Indy let Baltimore stay in this game. That's a huge mistake, especially when Lamar Jackson is on the other sidelines. 25-9, to I think the score was. Baltimore comes roaring back. Sends the game into overtime. And Baltimore ends up winning the game in overtime 31-25. to Now, Lamar Jackson. Good game for Lamar. He ran when he needed to. But also, he, he threw well when he needed to. 37-43. 442 yards. And four touchdowns for Lamar. Adding into his 14 carries and 62 yards on the ground. So, huge day from Lamar. And th- this is a really good passing performance from him. It might be his best that I can uh, that I can remember. So, huge game from Baltimore there. Avoid losing to a Colts team that's been much maligned this year. They're now sitting at 1 and 4. And let this one slip away. So that does it for week number week number five right there. But before we get into week number six, there's been a trade that's happened in in this time that we've been recording. And we talked about the Cardinals and how they're five and zero. Oh. Well, they just got a little bit better coming off of last night's game with uh, with Zach Ertz and. The Eagles playing the Buccaneers. Ertz has played his final game in an Eagles uniform as the Eagles have agreed to trade Ertz to the Cardinals in exchange for cornerback Tate Gowan and a 2022 fifth-round pick. And Ertz is going to be a featured part of that offense. And we'll have to see contract negotiations if that's going to happen with Ertz and the Cardinals. But Ertz is going to be in... Explosive new offense with Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, all that crew on that offense. That offense just got a whole lot better, and the Cardinals just got a whole lot better. So scary thought there for a team that's sitting at 5-0 and right there. So Zach Ertz, again, traded to the Arizona Cardinals for Tay Gowan and a 2022 fifth-round pick as his time in Philly is now over and out. It's uh, Dallas Goddard's time to shine there as the main tight end for the Eagles. So, moving on to week number six. <clears throat> of course, last night we didn't do the pod before the game. I thought Tampa Bay would win. Tampa did win 28-22. But, 
Philly and Jalen Hurts made it close there at the end. Philly's offense was doing nothing pretty much all game. And then here you have them just roaring back. But Tampa Bay, they end up getting the win there, 28-22. All right, so some of the other games going on. Dolphins at Jaguars in London. Tua is looking like he's potentially going to be back this week. So that's good news for the Dolphins fans. So I think the Dolphins are going to win this game. Jaguars can be a little bit feisty. I think the Dolphins want to win this one after the shellacking they got against the Buccaneers. Packers at Bears. Justin Fields' first shot in this big rivalry between both these organizations. Going against Aaron Rodgers. I think the Packers are the better team. I think they should win. But we'll have to see what the Bears do at home and see what the offense has got planned. The defense for the Bears is always going is always going to be trouble because they got a lot of good pieces on that defense. But I think the Packers are going to be going to be good to win this game and beat Justin Fields and the Bears. Chiefs at Washington. Chiefs need this one the worst way. They need this one the worst way. You're not going to have Clyde Edwards Elair, which is going to suck for me and my fantasy team. But you're not going to have him there for the next few weeks. But you have an explosive passing offense. Washington's secondary has not been good this year. So, I think if you're Mahomes, this is a nice bounce-back game. And if you're Tyreek Hill, this should be a nice bounce-back game. Let's hope for my fantasy's sake. All right. Uh, Vikings at Panthers. Panthers have been a little bit on a skid here. And Sam Darnold has... has Kind of look like the Sam Darnold of old from the New York Jets era. And they're playing Minnesota this week. And you're probably not going to have Christian McCaffrey again. McCaffrey looks like he might still be out. But if you're the Panthers, that should be one you should win. It's at home for you. You're, you, I mean, you should win it. I'll go with the Panthers here to get a bounce back. But honestly, if the Vikings win, I I, I think this is a 50-50 toss-up game. Chargers at Ravens. Fun one here in the AFC. Of course, we talked about these two teams in Week 5. Awesome performances from both these young quarterbacks. Who's going to come out on top here? The Ravens look like they that defense struggled a lot against the Colts team that Honestly, you shouldn't have struggled with a whole lot anyway. So that makes me worry about how they're going to go against this Chargers offense, which looked pretty good for the most part this whole season. And Justin Herbert and how he's ascending as among some of the top QBs in the league. I'm going to go with the Chargers here. Sorry, Matt. I got to. I feel like I got to with the that Ravens defense. It's not what you wanted to see against the, Col- the Colts last week. So give me the Chargers to win. Cardinals at Browns. Fun matchup here from uh, with AFC versus NFC. Cardinals. Of course, I mean, they're not going to have Zach Ertz this week. But 
with how the Cardinals have been playing, they've been doing really good. The Browns looking for a bounce back, obviously. But the good thing for the Browns fans, it's at home, and you got home field advantage. So anything that can help you against an undefeated team like the Cardinals will help in the slightest. So I'm curious what the line is for this game uh, and who's favored right now. The ESPN matchup predictor is pretty close. And right now the Browns are favored. So, hmm. Do I stick with the Cardinals being undefeated or do I go with the Browns here? You know, I think I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I think I'm going to go against what the, the matchup predictor and what the spread has been in some cases. So give me the Cardinals to stay undefeated move on to 6-0. and Cowboys at Patriots. I think the Cowboys right now, they're looking pretty good. They made, they got, Dak is looking pretty good. That's what you wanted to see. And I think the Cowboys are trending in the right direction as they might be the team in the NFC East. They, they're looking very well like that. Seahawks at Steelers. Geno Smith versus a washed-up Big Ben on Sunday night football. I'm in. Um, in all honesty, I think the Steelers are probably going to win this game. I don't know how well to expect Geno Smith to perform uh, going forward. I guess this will be a good test to see what he's going to look like with this Seahawks offense now that he's taking QB1 reps in practice during the week. I just think I'll go with the Steelers here to get the win on Sunday night football. Bills at Titans on Monday night. Going to be a fun Monday night game. Uh, One I'm going to be nervous about. And I don't think I'm going to be the homer here. I don't think I'm going to be the homer here. I think I'm going against going with the Bills. The Titans right now, there's just a lot of inconsistency. I don't know if Julio is going to play. Although, if Julio does play, it does help a little bit. But I just think the Bills right now, kind of like the Cowboys, they're hitting on all cylinders right now. And they're just looking really, really good. Offensively, they look awesome. Defensively, they're making some big-time plays and doing well. So, I got the Bills to win on Monday Night Football move to 5-1. and one. And so, that's going to do it for the NFL. And that's going to do it for this week, everybody. Hopefully, you guys have a, a fun weekend ahead with all this football, with all the baseball that we got going on. Hockey season has ramped up with the season starting this week. You got NBA starting next week. We'll see when we get to do a preview on that, whether it's just me or whether it's me and Charles down the road in the next few days. Speaking of other pods that we got planned, the DC What If pod. We've talked about that for a while now. We've had to switch some dates. It's going to be uh, the plan right now is to take that next Tuesday, October 19th, where we'll talk about the DC What If. We'll talk about DC Fandom with that happening tomorrow. So, speaking of DC Fandom, if you're interested in that, depending on what time zone you're in, if you're Central Time Zone, it's from 12 to 4. Pacific Time, it's at 10. And all that good stuff. You guys can work out the time zone and stuff yourselves. So, 
if you want to watch that that's tomorrow so keep an eye on that we'll talk about that and maybe we'll talk about some movies the new halloween movie is out i gotta work out some time to try to figure out when i'm gonna go see that and uh if i'm doing if that's gonna you know if that's gonna take some time away if i'm doing an nba preview pod with charles or all that good stuff you also have the last duel coming out so lots of, again lots of movies coming out that maybe we'll talk about future entertainment pods but be on the lookout for that dc what if pod sometime next week in all likelihood if probably wednesday or thursday at, at with uh peter being on of course there's a lot more editing that goes on with when you got one of the guys involved so be on the lookout for that pot sometime next week on the entertainment channel and you can find the entertainment channel where you guys get your podcasts whether it's stitcher soundcloud spotify itunes or anchor you can also find uh, you can find both these channels there and listen to the podcast on whatever on any of those platforms and check out the the podcast Twitter account at 573pods. I'll be trying to do my best tomorrow during DC Fandom to be try, uh, to try to keep up with everything that's going to be released during that period of time. If you want to follow me along on there throughout the day and keep up with all that stuff, you're free to do so. It's going to be a fun time. It should be a whole lot of fun stuff that should be coming out during that time period especially if you're a dc fan so so with that said everybody hopefully you guys have an awesome weekend and until next week we'll talk to you next time